God answers. It's the process he has always given, right? Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. GMBA YouthCast. As human beings, we specialize in messing things up. But the awesome thing about God is when we seek him sincerely, he reveals himself to us and he specializes in taking our messes and turning them into something beautiful. So today on YouthCast, Brother Josh Gailey is joining us. He's going to share a history of how the original Church of Jesus Christ, described in the book of Acts, got messed up by human error, but through the revelation of the Book of Mormon and other revelations from God, God restored his church to its original intended state as the Church of Jesus Christ headquartered in Monongahela, Pennsylvania. So, Brother Josh, thank you for joining us today. And just for people who might not know you, could you give a brief intro of who you are and how you in got interested in this topic? Well, thanks for having me on today, Jared. It's a blessing to be on the podcast with you. And like you said, hey, I'm the poster child for how to mess something up. So you put me on at the right podcast. I'm Brother Josh Gailey, and I love history. I love the church, and I love the restoration. And so my passion and zeal for that comes out, hopefully, in this discussion. I do have a background in archaeology, and, and so a lot of that is what fuels my fire for it. But I, I really love how God has used our little church for a great and holy purpose. And, and it's, it's exciting to talk about that with you today. At the end of Christ's ministry in Israel, he established his church and then ascended. What happens to the church at this point? Well, the church at this point has to figure out how to grow up, and it does it really quickly. The apostles receive the Holy Spirit. They start preaching on the uh, day of Pentecost. And so within 40 days in Jerusalem, they're launching what we would call today the Christian church, the church of Jesus Christ of that day and time. So they go out, they're on fire, literally in the Holy Spirit. They're healing the sick, they're raising the dead, and the power of God is manifest in them. How do we go from that really early, super excited church to what we call the apostasy? I think one change at a time. So what happens is over a long period of time, People come into power and people make changes. So if you take a glass of water and it's pure and it's beautiful, and that's the church Christ set up, what happens is if you make it one change to that and you add just a little bit of dirt in that water, a little bit of impurity, I could still probably give it to you and you could still drink it. But if I did that thousands of times over hundreds of years, all of a sudden we would be drinking mud. And it wouldn't be the pure gospel, the pure message that had originally been established by Christ. And that's what happens to the church. Man implemented changes to what was a simple, original foundation of truth. Could you give a few examples of some of those changes? I think one great example, Jared, is baptism. The Lord is baptized in an open body of water as an adult. While Christ sets the perfect example, there are some changes that have happened within Christianity today where now infants can be baptized, and often it's done either with a sprinkling versus immersion or maybe in a pool. 
versus the natural example that God gives through the baptism of Jesus Christ, which is what we should follow. Some other examples is just the structure of the church. Christ set up his church with 12 apostles, 70 sent out to evangelize, elders, teachers, and we see even in the book of Acts, deacons. And that's the structure of the church of Acts, which is fueled in the fire of the Holy Spirit. So when we merge spirit and truth, that is what builds the kingdom of God on the earth. So God, being God, knows this is going to happen. He's not caught by surprise. How does he account for this? So we serve an all-knowing God who's a God of restoration. He loves putting broken pieces back together again. He does it in our life, and he does it in the bigger pictures as well. So he establishes his church in Palestine, but he also does it with other people. When he resurrected, what did he do for those 40 days? What did he do after he ascended? He had other people that he would visit and establish his church. And because of that, we have the words of Christ in more than one record, which can verify the truth and verify the founding principles of the church that Christ established in Palestine. So we have two witnesses that can become one in our hand, testifying to the truth of the gospel restored. You referenced Christ speaking to other people in other parts of the world and them keeping records. How do we get those records into our hands today? What happened was at the end of the record, which is the Book of Mormon, there was a prophet named Moroni who took the records and he buried them. He traveled to New York and he buried them in a hill. Years later, at the beginning of our church, the Church of Jesus Christ, at the beginning of our inception of the gospel restored, Joseph Smith was used by God to bring forth the records and to translate them by the gift and power of God. So now we can have two testimonies of Jesus Christ placed before us and read his words and verify the truth of the first with the record of the last. So tell me a little bit about who is Joseph Smith and how did the church get started? Joseph Smith is a dirt poor young man living in the frontier of New York. And what happens to him is his family's divided on religion. There's a lot of revivals going on in the community. And in that day, everybody said, well, if you were going to this church, well, everybody else was going to hell. And if you were in that church, everybody else was going to hell. He reads in James where it says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And he asked the Lord, Lord, what church do I join? And when he offered that prayer, this is the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ, because the Lord appears to Joseph Smith in vision and tells him not to join any church. And that's the beginning of God working out the restoration. It culminates a little bit later with Joseph taking the records, bringing them forth in marvelous and miraculous ways, translating them by the gift and power of God. That's our Book of Mormon. But also in that process, he and a man that was a scribe, Oliver Cowdery, they're together, and they're praying, and the Lord comes and visits them, and an angel from heaven, just like it says in Revelation 14, 6, and 7, an angel was sent by God, bearing the everlasting gospel to bring back to the earth, lays his hands on Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery, and restores the priesthood of Christ, the same priesthood he had given to Peter and Paul in the days of Palestine. So when Joseph Smith is used by God to bring forth this ancient record called the Book of Mormon, 
how is this received by other groups and other people, especially during such a great religious awakening? It is received in so many different ways by so many different people. For some, the miracle of the coming forth of the Book of Mormon confronts them and challenges their faith. There were many denominations that day that didn't believe miracles could exist at all. For others, they're witnessing the Spirit. They're watching God work and perform healings and miracles, and they're dedicating their lives for the production and the coming forth of the text. Martin Harris mortgaged his farm and donated the equivalent of $90,000 today as a believer to make sure that it could go to the first printing. Was Martin Harris an actual witness of the plates themselves? He did. He became a witness. It wasn't just Joseph Smith that saw the golden plates. There were three others that saw through the power of God, the plates presented to them by an angel. And there were eight others, and they individually hold them, look at them, turn them over page by page. We have these men that bear such strong testimony. They endure persecution. There's at one point David Whitmer, an incredible witness of the golden plates. And David Whitmer at one point is taken out with a group of saints left in the middle of of the square of town at that time, bayonets pointed at their heads. And he's directly asked to reject the Book of Mormon. The Spirit of God enters into him, and he begins to preach the truth of what he knows. Remember, for him, it's not a belief he saw with his own eyes. And he began to preach the truth of the golden plates in the Book of Mormon, so much so that it dismantled the people that were there with bayonets. They actually broke up. The mob broke up. We have witnesses that are enduring amazing persecution. The saddest bit of persecution that they had was the fact that in their lifetime, many of those witnesses felt Joseph Smith was falling away, disagreed with him about doctrines and practices within the church, and were excommunicated. Now, if you're part of a fraud, this is the moment when you expose the falsehood. There's actually in independence, Oliver Cowdery and others are kicked out through a manifesto that threatens their lives. And church members are robbing their homes at this point. This is the moment when you say, hey, (laughs) I really was part of a conspiracy. This wasn't true. The founding shepherds are kicked out. Their lives are threatened by the very church that they helped organize. And instead of rejecting the Book of Mormon, They continue to say, while Joseph might have gone into falsehood, while this might be an error, while that might be an error, one thing I know is true. The Book of Mormon is the Word of God, was given as a gift by God, and came forth by the gift and power of God, and I saw the golden plates for myself. And the rest of their lives, they gave living testimonies of the truth of the Book of Mormon. Every witness that doesn't have the last name Smith, gets excommunicated. And none of them, none of them give up the faith regarding the Book of Mormon. How does God get the church back to resembling the Church of Acts, which is his intention uh, in bringing forth the Book of Mormon? This movement, this new church that begins, it starts off fresh and it grows. And as it's growing and as it's spreading, 
there's different things that come in that aren't so great. And if you look at the church in Nauvoo and you start reading the Book of Mormon, you're not going to see two churches that match very well. God needed to work his way back in and actually use the Book of Mormon as a foundational tool along with the New Testament. There had been 14 years of struggle, and it peaked at a certain point when Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram were killed while they were in prison in Carthage, Illinois in 1844. There's a succession crisis for leadership after Joseph Smith dies. Our church, the Church of Jesus Christ, follows Sidney Rigdon as the only surviving member of the church's leadership council, the first presidency, that overseeing principle. And they go back to Pennsylvania, Sidney and his group that are agreeing with that leadership proposition. But what God does in Pittsburgh is truly a marvel in the fulfilling of the organization of the church that you and I belong to today. How does that come about? So this small group of followers in Pittsburgh, they're loosely connected to each other. They're, they're trying to organize some things. It really doesn't work out. And there's a man that's called into the church named William Bickerton, and he is used and led by God to eventually organize his church. There's a moment as he's baptizing that he's commanded and the group of men that he's ordained and brothers and sisters that are meeting, they're commanded to ordain apostles. They're commanded to ordain evangelists. There's revelations that are coming forth, experiences that are incredible, gifts and healings. And I tell you, it's the Spirit of God that was leading his church and organizing it as at first, that we would be the church of the Lamb of God today. And so William Bickerton was used for that purpose, and there were other marvelous brothers and sisters that were used. Even as you're describing that church, it sounds like the book of Acts, from things as far as the structure of the church, to also the manifestations of the gifts of God, which we read about in Acts, as well as the Book of Mormon. Yeah, there's times at conferences that a brother is standing up or a sister is standing up speaking in an unknown tongue, and seven or eight people are all receiving the identical interpretation. Christ is alive in the church at that time, just as he is today. And this is the start of the Church of Jesus Christ, headquartered in Monongahela, Pennsylvania, that continues to exist today. Now, I have Christian friends, and, and I know a lot of wonderful Christian people who have rich relationships with the Lord. Why do we need the Book of Mormon? What, what do we even find in there that isn't already in the Bible? But I would say, first, this is a really important question. And somebody should be skeptical when they ask this question. All right, somebody should come in cautiously and prayerfully about the Book of Mormon, and I would encourage that. And with that said, Paul writes about 500 that saw the Lord, but we don't have that story. If someday archaeologists found a manuscript from one of the 500 who tells the great story of the Lord appearing to 500 people, wouldn't we want to have that text as a Christ-centered Christian-believing people today? Well, the Book of Mormon gives us an account of 2,500 what the Book of Mormon offers is the Word of God, another account of Christ's words, and His words are precious. Could, could you take out one of the books of the New Testament 
and still have enough to know the Lord? Well, maybe, but isn't that the wrong question? We should be careful before we cut something that comes from God. We should never add anything that isn't, okay? But I would offer that there's great reasons to believe in the Book of Mormon, historical grounds and spiritual grounds, most importantly. Some of my Christian friends who don't know a lot about the Book of Mormon have misconceptions and feel that it's uh, contrary to the Bible. Can you talk about what are some of the major misconceptions about it and where those come from? Yeah, it's such a great question, Jared, because it probably might shock somebody how many doctrines that are found within the Restoration Movement aren't actually in the Book of Mormon. So a lot of people, when they hear the word Mormon, might think of polygamy. Well, actually, polygamy is never spoken of positively in the Book of Mormon. It is only spoken of in regards to it being a sin or wickedness. In fact, the Book of Mormon speaks against polygamy way more than the Bible. It never mentions baptism by proxy or baptism for the dead. That's not something you can find within the pages of the Book of Mormon. There, you know, when it comes to the church that Christ establishes in the Book of Mormon, in, in the Temple Bountiful, it's very simple. He calls 12 disciples. They break bread and, and share wine. It's a simple church. And that's what you find when you come to the church of Jesus Christ that you and I are a part of, headquartered in Monongahela, Pennsylvania, but more importantly, a gift to be offered to the world a true and authoritative priesthood under the banner of Jesus Christ, one priesthood in his name. And we offer hope and salvation. We have 12 apostles, just like the New Testament church does. We have 70 evangelists, just like you find in Luke chapter 10. We have the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues, healings. My daughter, was healed of a genetic disorder weeks after she was born. It's the message that Christ came, lived, died, rose, and under that banner, we will all rise and stand before him one day to be judged. That's the gospel of Christ you find in the Book of Mormon. That's the gospel that we preach in our church. How can someone learn more about the Church of Jesus Christ or the Book of Mormon? Come and taste. And what I mean by that is, look us up www.thechurchofjesuschrist.org. Come and visit one of our branches, one of our locations, one of our buildings worldwide. And another way is to ask the Lord directly. Let His Spirit work in your life. Let Him lead you and direct you. If you want more information on the Book of Mormon, we have a free app where you can read it and study it for yourself. And you can ask the Lord, as it even says in Moroni chapter 10, it says, you know, if anybody wants to, they can come to the Lord and he can reveal the truth of his words to you. So it's available. The church is open and we welcome anybody to come in and experience the love of God for themselves. And if somebody just as a plug wants to deep dive on the Book of Mormon a little bit more, there's going to be a book coming out. And also I run a podcast with scholars that talk about more of the historicity of the Book of Mormon. So bookofmormonhistory.com and Book of Mormon History on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you look up Book of Mormon History, you can deep dive in with me on a lot more detail on the Book of Mormon itself. I love the podcast. 
I think I've listened to every episode. I definitely give it a big endorsement. I also want to comment. You talked about, you know, if you're trying to understand, is this Book of Mormon true or not, to pray and ask God for a personal revelation. And I would just say, even as someone where I was raised from a kid where I was told to believe in the Book of Mormon, I still, I, I think it was important that I got to a point where I had to question it for myself. God, I don't just want to accept this because someone told me, but can you reveal the truth of this to me? Because I really wanted to follow God in truth. And and thank God through a lot of prayer and through reading the text, like you said, uh, God has revealed that to me personally in my life. And I would encourage anyone, even if even if you've believed in the Book of Mormon your whole life, to to make that a matter of prayer and to read it for yourself. Amen, Jared. God answers. It's the process he has always given, right? Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. We have a brother and sister in Nepal that were given a Book of Mormon for the first time, asked to pray about it. They prayed about it, put it by their bedside. Rita had had an issue of blood for years and years. And she was, they prayed about the Book of Mormon that night. And she was healed of that affliction from her body. And they got baptized that week. And they're faithful members of the church today because God answered their prayer. It, was it the exact same night that she prayed, God, would you show me if this is true? It was. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Praise God. You talked about earlier, there's this last prophet in the Book of Mormon named Moroni. He was the one who actually buried this record in the earth that was later discovered uh, by Joseph Smith. And before he buried it, he made a note in the text for anyone who finds this text and wants to know, is this true? Is this really the word of God? And it's in Moroni chapter 10, verses four and five. And when you shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the eternal father in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if you shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent, having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. So don't take my word for it. Don't take Brother Josh's word for it, but ask God to reveal the truth of all things to you by the Holy Spirit. We're human beings. We make a mess of things. We're imperfect, but God takes broken things and fixes them. He reveals himself to us today, just like he did for years past. Amen. All right. Thank you, Brother Josh, for being our guest on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been a joy. And to everyone in the audience, thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next time. I'm Anna D. from Farmington Hills, Michigan. Make sure to like and subscribe, leave a comment, and share this with someone you know. You can connect with the GMBA on YouTube, all major podcast platforms, and Instagram. There are links in the description. Thank you.